chapter 25 tonight, and uh, we're going to try to cover a lot in a few moments. So I'll do my best, if you will do your best to stay with me. First uh, Samuel 25, I will not read the whole chapter, but really to get the whole context, we should, but there's 40-some verses in it. I will, uh, of course, I'm sure many of you are aware of this event. This is right after um, David had given mercy to Saul and spared his life and confronted him, and it smote Saul's heart for a while. Now, it didn't, wasn't long, because in the very next chapter, you're going to find he's after him again, but all through uh, verse chapter 25, it kind of shifts to a different scene. Uh, a great man of God died, Samuel, verse 1. And Samuel died, and all the Israelites were gathered together and lamented him and buried him in his house at Ramah. And David arose and went down to the wilderness of Paran. And there was a man in Maon whose possessions were in Carmel, and the man was very great. And he had 3,000 sheep and 1,000 goats, and he was shearing his sheep in Carmel. Now the name of the man was Nabal. And the name of his wife, Abigail, and she was a woman of good understanding and of a beautiful countenance. But the man was churlish and evil in his doings, and he was of the house of Caleb. And David heard of the wilderness that Nabal did shear his sheep. David sent out ten young men, and David said unto the young men, Get you up to Carmel, go to Nabal, and greet him in my name. And thus shall you say to him that, that liveth in prosperity, peace be both to you, and peace be to thine house, and peace be unto all that thou hast. And now I have heard that thou hast shearers, now thy shepherds which were with us, we hurt them not, neither was there aught missing unto them, all the while they were in Carmel. Ask the young men, and they will show thee. Wherefore let the young men find favor in thine eyes, for we come in a good day. Give, I pray thee, whatsoever cometh to thine hand, unto thy servants, and to thy son David. And when David's young men came, they spake to Nabal according to all those words in the name of David, and ceased. And Nabal answered David's servants and said, Who is David? And who is the son of Jesse? There be many servants nowadays that break away from every man from his master. Shall I then take my bread and my water and my flesh that I have killed from my shears and given unto men whom I know not whence they be. So David's young men turned their way and went again and came and told him all those things. Now, to cut things short, we know that David didn't take that well. Just like you and I probably wouldn't take it well. And so what did he do? He girded up his men for war. He was going to go and he was going to kill the whole household and kill Nabal because he felt like that Nabal had given him good, given him evil for David's good. And if you keep reading this, we find out how wise uh, Abigail is because she hears that he's coming to destroy her husband and also all that he has. And so I want you to notice in verse 23, and when Abigail saw David, she hasted and lighted off the ass and fell before David on her face and bowed herself to the ground and fell at his feet and said, upon me, my Lord, upon me. Now I want you to listen to this. She had nothing to do with this. But here's a wise woman. She said, let this iniquity be me. And let thine handmaid, I pray thee, speak in thine audience and hear the words of thine handmaid. Let not my Lord, I pray thee, regard this man of Belial, even Nabal, for as his name is, so is he. 
Nabal is the name, and folly is with him. But I, thine handmaid, saw not the young men of my Lord, whom thou didst send. Now therefore, my Lord, as the Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, seeing the Lord hath withholden thee from coming to shed blood, and from avenging thyself with thine own hand, now let thine enemies and they that seek evil to my Lord be as Nabal. And now this blessing which thine handmaid hath brought unto my Lord, let it even be given unto the young men that follow my Lord. I pray thee, forgive the trespass of thine handmaid, for the Lord will certainly make my Lord a sure house. Because my Lord fighteth the battles of the Lord, and evil hath not been found thee all thy days. Yet a man is risen to pursue thee and to seek thy soul, but the soul of my Lord shall be bound in the bundle of life with the Lord thy God, and the souls of thine enemies, them shall he sling out as out of the middle of a sling. And it shall come to pass when the Lord shall have done to my Lord according to all the good that he has spoken concerning thee, and shall have appointed thee ruler over Israel." Verse 32, And David said to Abigail, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, which sent thee this day to meet me. And blessed be, here it is, thy advice. And blessed be thou which has kept me this day from coming to shed blood and from avenging myself with mine own hand. Now, if you keep reading, you're going to know that the Lord avenges David and Nabal dies ten, ten, ten days later. And we know that David takes Abigail to be his wife. Heavenly Father, I pray you'll help us tonight. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. I've entitled this message, The Wise Wife of a Fool. First of all, the first thing that I pick up on this, Abigail knew exactly who David was. He knew, she knew that, and by the way, so did Nabal. Everybody in the land knew that it was David that slung the sling and killed the giant. Everybody knew that uh, most everybody knew. She knew that he was anointed king and was going to be the future king of Israel. So I can promise you this, Nabal knew as well. He lied to it. We know that Nabal, his name means fool. So I want to just read a little thing to you that I thought would be helpful. When atheists complain to a Christian friend, Christians have their special holidays such as Christmas and Easter and Jews celebrate their holidays such as Passover and Yom Kippur. Every religion has its holidays, but we atheists, he said, have no recognized holidays. It's an unfair discrimination. What do you mean? The friend said to the atheist. He said, you have no holidays. He said, people have been observing your special day for years. He said, what's that? He said, April 1st. <laughs> Let's do some introduction. Let's look at Nabal. Nabal, the Bible uses these words. He was churlish and evil. Churlish. His name means fool. Now it's amazing to me as you read this passage of scripture, you're first introduced to the wife. Then you're introduced to Nabal. I think it interesting. The Bible tells us that a few things about this word of being churlish means he was very severe. Severe. He was very hateful. He was not, he wouldn't listen to nobody. Uh, he was unreasonable. He was stubborn. He was foolish. Uh, by the way, his wife, no doubt, had probably tried to talk to him in many occasions and he wouldn't listen. The Bible says Nabal was a fool, chapter or verse 17, verse 25. But here's a few things that I thought was interesting as we read this passage. First of all, he was ungrateful. You say, well, Pastor, how do you know he was ungrateful? He didn't recognize the benefit of having David's servants around. 
David had protected his sheep, his livestock, his family. And by the way, in those days there were many dangerous things and and David was taking care. And David knew that. Now, we understand, we, we see that in verse 10 and verse 15. But something that I've learned about a fool, someone that's a fool or someone that's foolish, I've noticed this. Ingratitude and foolishness is usually connected together. I want you to think about that. Ingratitude and foolishness is usually connected together. What do you mean? The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 1 verse 21, because that when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. The sin of ungratefulness. You know, here's what amazes me. We live in the greatest country in the world. If you don't believe that, go to another one. Number two, listen to me. There's not another country in the whole planet that people are trying to get into but America. It's common sense to know. And here's what's amazing. Listen, we have it good, church. And it amazes me even how ungrateful church people are. I'm amazed. Man, we're driving around. And by the way, I don't think anybody walked here tonight. We all drove. We all have vehicles. Praise God. We all have a house. And we ought to be grateful. But do you know that foolishness and ingratitude is connected together? This man simply had a lot but wasn't thankful for it. He wasn't thankful for others. And I think another simple definition of a fool could possibly be this. It would be someone who does not recognize the obvious. Look around. Look up. There's God. You're, look, she, she had good understanding, the Bible said. But he was so foolish... He wouldn't even listen. And by the way, he ought to have been thankful that he had a wise wife and a good-looking one at that. He was a fool. He was a fool. He was ungrateful. Now, I believe there's a connection. I believe it's just someone that simply does not recognize the obvious. A fool doesn't recognize the obvious Or here, he chooses to ignore the obvious, and most of them are blessings. A fool wants to hone in on only what's bad, or only what's negative, or only what's not fair. Sherlock Holmes and Dr. Watson went on a camping trip. I have to share this. After a good meal, they lay down for the night, and they went to sleep. Some hours later... Holmes awoke and nudged his faithful friend. He said, Watson, look up at the sky and tell me what you see. And Watson replied, I see millions and millions of stars. Holmes asked, well, what does that tell you? Watson pondered there for a minute. He says, well, astronomically, it tells me that there are millions of galaxies and potentially billions of planets. Horologically, I deduce that the time is approximately a quarter past three. Theologically, I can see that God is omnipotent and that we are all small and insignificant. Meteorologically, I suspect that we will have a beautiful day tomorrow. What does that tell you? Holmes was silent for a minute. Then he said, Watson, you meathead, someone stole our tent. 
That's the obvious. Watson thought that he was going to have a test. He wanted to explain how much he knew. And by the way, that's so much like us. But the obvious was, no, no, meathead, you don't have a tent. But let me just say that to all of us meatheads, we have a wonderful Savior. And we should never be ungrateful for him. Number two about Nabal, he would not listen and could not be reasoned with. Don't you get frustrated being around people like that? They know everything. Verse 17, she basically said, I can't even reason with him and I'm his wife. So he, we realize he's a fool. And here's what the Bible says, speak not in the ears of a fool, for he will despise the wisdom of thy words. Proverbs 23.9. Then we see the introduction to Abigail, and it's very short. Verse 3 says this, she was a woman of good understanding and of a beautiful countenance. Now, we're going to learn how wise she is a little bit later, but we see the introductions to the, the husband and the wife, the fool and the wise woman. Then I want you to notice, we not only see the introductions, but let's look at the injustice that was done here. Now, what's going on here? Why did David get so mad? Well, David tried some uh, po- po- politics. He, he tried some dip, dip. He was trying to be a diplomat. Thank you. I'll get it out. Diplomacy. And uh, David and his men had been protecting Nabal's livestock. They'd been protecting his land. They'd been protecting all the possessions, even his family, his people. And he felt it was time for Nabal to pay up. Just out of the goodness, he thought it was appropriate. So he sent ten men, and he didn't ask for a certain amount. He just said, whatever you think would be appropriate. Well... First thing that Nabal did, we understand, uh, David didn't specify an amount. He just asked whatsoever. And I also thought this interesting. David came and humbled himself, even called Nabal his servant and his son. So he didn't come in and demanding. He came in underneath Nabal. And then we see David and his men had given Nabal a considerable amount of help in verse 16. So we see he tried, and he was trying to go at the goodness of Nabal and thought, okay, he's going to help us out. We've helped him out. Well, then here's Nabal's defiance. How did he treat him? He he essentially called David a runaway slave. He said, well, what other son? There's many sons that runs away from their families. He said, should I keep them all? Should I take care of all of them? Because they come here. Now, look, he knew exactly who David was. Nabal should have been grateful. Not just for David's help, but also because David had spared his very own nation from the Philistines on numerous occasions. It was David that spared from Philistine and Goliath years ago. Everything Nabal had and was able to keep was because of no doubt the leadership of Israel, which part David was part of. So we see the injustice of Nabal. Then I want you to notice... The anger of David. I mean, it, it gets on. Verse 13, man, now where's this same guy that just cut off the thing of Saul and said, I'm going to give you, look here. He was calling for blood with this one. He geared up. He, he got locked and loaded. He got sorted up, speared up, got armored up. And I'm telling you right now, he went to go kill Nabal and everybody. David was angry. Let me just give you a few things why. Number one, David was put off. He was unpaid. I'm going to tell you something else. He was put 
upon, he was stressed out. Why was he stressed? Because he was trying to feed 400 more people that he was captain of. So he thought he would get a little bit of help. And then David was put out. He, was, he felt like his time was wasted. In verse 21, he said, Surely in vain have I kept all that this fellow hath in the wilderness. So he's put out. He said, I feel like everything I've done towards him has been vain. It's been empty. So he's been put off, put up, put out, and then he was put down. Then the man insulted him and basically called him a runaway slave and basically told him to get out of there. He insulted David, the man, the great, mighty, future to be the future king of Israel. So David, just like you and I would be, we'd be what? Angry. His actions now have brought about the result that he expected. He said, look, I'm going to take care of him. So from his point of view, he dealt kindly with Nabal, and here's how Nabal retreated, treated him back. Now, there's quite some lessons here. Nabal insults them and sends them away empty-handed, and all of David, all, everything that David thought, that he had done everything for nothing. Now, let me give you David's reasoning. And by the way, I think you'll relate to this reasoning. David does good toward Nabal and all of his household. You know that what he expects from that? David expects something back, unwise. It's unwise. You say, Pastor, why it's unwise? Well, if you live with expectation all your life, if it's from people, you're going to stay disappointed and angry. You better get your expectation upon the Lord, not people. Someone said, well, is that the way you live? It's the way I try to live. Because look here, if you don't expect anything, you don't get hurt when you don't get it. And listen, you say, how did I learn that? I learned that from preachers. I learned that from preachers. You say, Pastor, how did you learn that from preachers? Because I watched several of them, boy. They got upset when they didn't get what they thought they should get. I seen it. I watched it, and I learned from it. So I kind of developed, now I've not always lived this way, but I try to live this way. I try to live in a way that I don't expect too much because then I really don't expect anything because if you don't expect anything, you're not hurt when you don't receive what you expected. Now David here expected, now I agree with David. I think Nabal should at least throw him some crumbs. David now, but see, here's what David's doing. Now David feels justified in his intention to kill Nabal and every other male in his household because of his expectations. Now, I understand David's reasoning, but I don't believe it was wise. He's the same man that just gave mercy to Saul, but yes, he's human, so now he's reacting as a human, and he's reacting on his feelings just like we would, and again, expectation will leave you disappointed. How many of us do something for somebody else? Now, this is getting down, down to the, and I don't, I don't need anybody to confess this tonight, I'm just getting you to think. How many of us have ever done something because we thought we'd get something back? Wrong reason. And that's certainly not ministry. Because I'm going to promise you this, you will stay disappointed. You will. 
And I'm not knocking anybody. I'm just telling you, that's the way it is. And so how many of us have ever done something for somebody, and here's what, we've got a measuring stick in our hand. For, for years, I'm being honest, uh, people have come and, you know, if someone asks for help or asks for money, they say, and here's what they'll say. They say, let me, I'll, let me borrow it and I'll pay you back. I'll tell them, absolutely not. By the way, we don't lend money here. And the reason we don't is because a lot of times that person, they feel like if someone doesn't get it back, they get hurt. Right? So the best thing to do is what? Just give it, not expecting anything in return. But how many of us do something or do, or do something or do something for somebody with a measuring stick in our hands? We are willing to love others and serve others sacrificially, but with a certain set of expectations. I'm going to just be really blunt with y'all. Do y'all know that's why the pastor should never know what any of the tithes are? Because I've heard some people say, well, I tell you what, so-and-so, I don't care if they don't give anything or not. They're still human beings and they still need help. Amen. Amen. Why are we, we going to do for that person, not for that person? Do we expect something? I thank God Jesus didn't expect nothing. I know it's easier preaching, harder living, but I'm telling you right now, we get ourselves in such a mess, just like David, we get so upset, we get so out of stretch, we get so, they go, well, I tell you what, I deserve better, or I deserve this, or I deserve that. To be truthful, all of us deserve hell. But now we need to take this application. We should serve for the Lord Jesus and nobody else. Nothing in return. I praise God. I believe if we do things, God's going to honor His Word. His Word's not going to come back void. And by the way, when you get, look, we don't give to get, but I'm going to promise you this. If you give, you'll get back. Amen. You will. If you give, you'll get back. And I'm not saying, oh, I'm going to throw in that seed there. No, God says, hey, I'm going to give. What that means maybe is when you're in the worst shape of your life, Maybe someone gives you one of them loaded handshakes. Just at the very moment you need her. Maybe you'll get something in the mail that you wasn't expecting. I want to tell you something right now. God keeps his word. So why? I have to question the motive of David. Why do we serve others? Oh, by the way, uh, we've got a sheet back there. Brother Robert's covered up through next Sunday, but we have a whole month there. If anybody else can go help Grab him on a Sunday morning. I know he'd appreciate it. But do you know what else I've learned when we love people serving us is when we realize we got to have it. Y'all know what I mean by that? It's amazing. uh, People that are in need, they appreciate others. But sometimes we realize when someone's not in need, we really don't think much about that. But when we become the one in need, all of a sudden that becomes important. It ought to be important anyway. We ought to serve for the Lord and we ought to serve to be a blessing to our church family. We ought to serve to see the lost one to God because I, I've never forgotten that message Brother Mark had preached years ago. Do good unto people. 
Just do good. When you, when you do good, when you go out of your way to serve somebody, and I'm trying to tell our church, invite people to come to church, but don't get disappointed and don't stop inviting just because they don't come. Because what we do is we get all discouraged because like, man, we keep inviting, nobody comes. They, they, they might even tell you they're going to come and they don't show up. Just keep doing it. So we ought to do it while for the Lord. Do you know Nathan, the, the young man that um, was over the crown group? He's from West Virginia. Now, his father and I, y'all remember that story I told you? We went to the jail that time, and we were finishing up preaching, and about that time, they told us that there was a man down in lockup, down in solitaire that needed some help, and those two men, that was me and his dad. And we're going down that elevator, and that law enforcement guy looks at us, the jailer, and he says, hey, guys, I'm not supposed to tell you this. This man has AIDS. And he also says, I'm also not supposed to tell you this, but he's a pedophile. He said, do you guys still want to go down there and talk to him about the Lord? Well, me and Fred looked at one another. Fred said, yeah, he needs the Lord to us. Yeah, let's go. And I say, but if we had done that to get something back, we wouldn't have got anything back. I mean, he's not like the pillar of society. But to be truthful, are, are any of us until we get saved? So why do we serve others? Is it done expecting rewards from others or even from God? No. Look, David should have served just to serve. Are these the proper motives to do something, to get something back? No, I don't believe they are. Here's the next question. How will we respond when we're not rewarded? I'm going to tell you right now, there's a bunch of empty seats in churches because somebody got their feelings hurt. And you know what to stop it? Because look here, I can promise you in church, and we try to do our best, but we're human at best. There's going to be people forgotten. There's going to be people that's neglected. And it's not because you're trying. It's not because we're trying. It's going to happen. But I'm saying what will even stop that is our attitude toward it. Praise God. If your phone's ringing, answer it. I'll tell you what, these announcements up here, they might be a little too small. If they're too small, move on up. Because it does say what? Silence your phones. I'm having too much fun. <laughs> but listen, Brother Robert and I are buddies. Amen? And uh, I know his driveway really well. And so we're fine. I, I got to say, I, I, I came into church this morning. It was before Sunday school. I don't think Brother Robert would mind it. I came walking down. First thing this morning, we come walking down the aisle, and this thing's on. These are brand new. Walking down the aisle, Robert goes, the words need to be bigger. I said, All right, then you got a new job. Come here and do it. So I just said, no, what probably needs to happen, you just need to get closer. Hey, here's the question. What if we're not rewarded? 
Honestly, I want you to think about that. You know as well as I do, there has been so many people that have gotten hurt in church because they do not feel like they've got their just reward. And look, I don't believe it's because people are on purpose forgetting. I know I can say that, but we are human. But you know what stops all that? Because look, you're not going to be in any perfect church. You're not going to have a perfect pastor. You're not going to have perfect people. They're not always going to thank you and remember everything. We should. We want to. We desire to. I think our church is good at it. But the best way to stop that stuff is don't think it in the first place. Do it for the Lord and for the reason of glorifying Him and nothing else. Not expecting anything back. Because then if you don't get it back... You're not hurt, but then when you do, woo! Now look, y'all might think that's childish, but I'm telling you right now, how long have I been in this thing? I've been in the ministry 26 years. I've seen it. And by the way, I can usually notice it before it happens. I can tell when someone is getting put out, getting a little put up and put out like him. I, 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 can, I can see it. I can sense it. So what I say to all of us, I will tell you, we will do our best to try to reward people and try to be a blessing to people. But I'm just going to tell you straight up, because we're human and I don't know of a perfect church, can we do better? Yes. But I'm telling you right now, which will even stop it even greater for it to never even get there, is don't have the expectation. There is a payday someday. And I promise you, he will not miss you. It will be better than a pat on the back. It will be better than your name mentioned in church. It will be better than all of that. If we will do it for him, he will reward us. I promise you. I promise you. And so I'm speaking now out of passion. Because I'm trying to help you and help us. Because by the way, you say, Pastor, how did you learn that from preachers? I know preachers that are out of the ministry because they've had expectations. And they get this in their head. Well, I'll tell you what, the church ain't treating me good. Or they didn't do this for me. Or they didn't do that for me. Hey, my enjoyment and expectation is of the Lord. So why do we serve? We ought to be serving for him. David, I, I, I get you. I understand why you're upset. I know why. But I'm telling you right now, I'm glad this woman come into your life because she stopped you. She's definitely a wise woman. Let's just look at her wisdom real quick as we close. In verse 17, now therefore know and consider what thou wilt do. For evil is determined against our master and against all of his household. For he is such a son of Belial that a man cannot speak to him. She starts talking to David saying why are you going to come and do this to him and pay the price and have to deal with your conscience later and you're dealing with a man below you. He's a man of Belial. Here's why. She said he's unapproachable. Nabal was a fool. What are we? Can I just stop here just a second too? Will we listen to people? I'm going to be honest. That is one of the scourges of our days. Is Can I just say, if you're younger, let's say, I don't know, you're 30 years and younger, 35. Listen, there are people that they don't know everything. But I promise you, if you will keep a teachable spirit, 
It will keep you from a lot of mess. Are you teachable? You know what? I was. I, I watched uh, media day for a football team, and I personally believe he's the greatest coach of all time. His defensive coordinator was on there, and they were asking him questions, and I thought it was interesting what he said. The defensive coordinator, here's what the man said. He said, I'm going to tell you one reason. It had nothing to do with talent, because they got talent. Here's what he said. The defensive coordinator, here's what he said. He said, I'm going to tell you why I think our defense is going to be great this year. It shocked me. He said, they're all teachable. They're all teachable. Now, we want to put X's and O's, and by the way, you've got to have a better team, but I'm going to tell you right now, you're going to have the best team in the world, and if they won't listen to nobody, they're not going to do very well. <laughs> don't matter how much talent you have, doesn't matter how much skill you have, doesn't matter. And by the way, if you think I'm only talking football here, you've done missed it. That's just, if a man that probably don't even go to church can understand that the depth of his team and the skill of his team is not going to get him through, it's how teachable the young men are, I think we as Christians understand better. Look, this Christian life is about being teachable. And by the way, I believe I could talk to any wise person here with gray hair and say, are you still learning? And if they're wise, they'll say, oh, yes. But here's the problem. Are we teachable? Are you approachable? He wasn't even approachable. Verse 15 of Proverbs, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but he that hearkeneth unto counsel is wise. Proverbs 1.5, a wise man will hear and will increase learning, and a man of understanding shall attain unto wise counsels. Wow, Abigail amazes me. Here's how she takes the blame for it. And it ain't even hers to take. But what's she trying to do? She's trying to de-escalate a problem. And she took the blame. You know what else I thought there I could make application here? This is just practical stuff. I don't see anybody taking the blame anymore. We got to pin that on somebody else. No, she said, hey, look, I'll take the blame for this if this will stop. You know when you're in the you know when you're in the presence of a wise person, when that person and another person have an ought with one another, and the person that's not guilty says they're guilty. Then you know you're in the presence of a wise man or a wise woman when they're really not at fault, but they'll take the fault to de-escalate the problem. That's wise. She's wise. Abigail's wise in trying to de-escalate the problem. Basically, she reasons with David and says, why should you be so angry? Don't act in anger, she says. Here's another thing quickly. She reveals the true nature of Nabal's character. In other words, she said, why are you letting this man do this to you and get you so upset and you're going to go kill innocent people because of his mistake? In other words, if you respond to this fool out of anger, here's what she said to David. And these stick. You're a fool, David. Hmm. Hmm. That's what she said to him. She said, David, basically, if you respond to this fool like you're getting ready to, you have become a fool. Wise. 
Answer not a fool according to his folly, lest thou also be likened to him. Proverbs 26, 4. Quickly, she restored all the food that she should have, that should have been given to him. She realized he was anger and his anger needed to be justified, so she wanted to justify and she wanted to settle the matter, so she gave him what he thought he should get. She's wise. And then here's what's a blessing. Here's what she did in verse 25. She reminded him of his future. (laughs) If he shed innocent blood. She told him, she said, look, if you do this, she said that this shall be no grief unto thee, nor offense of heart unto my Lord, either that thou hast shed blood causeless, or that my Lord hath avenged himself. But when the Lord shall have dealt well with my Lord. In other words, she she said, don't do this, because down the road the Lord is going to deal with you, David. Wise. Then I, I love this. She reminded David of God's past, present, and future protected a blessing. She basically said, look, I want to remind you, you've done killed Goliath, and you are doing right now, and you are going to be the future king of Israel. You know what God did? God interceded on behalf of the voice of Abigail. And then here's what's amazing. God intervened through the vengeance upon Nabal. How many of y'all, someone's done something to you and they've hurt you and you feel like they need some justice? Yeah. How much time y'all got? Come on. There's been a lot of things that have been said and done unfair and just to be caught honest with you, untrue. With all of us. So what are we going to do? I'll tell you all right. If we act like David, we're going to gear up. Hey, I'll tell you all right now. Let me tell you all right now. Y'all are the church and someone's done hurt you, pastor. Let's all go get our guns and our Glocks and our AKs and our, our, our shotguns and let's go. I'll show you where we're going. Is that how we do it? That's what David did. But see, here's what's amazing. She even told him. She said, leave it to the Lord. He'll take care of it. And it came to pass about ten days after that the Lord smote Nabal that he died. And when David heard that Nabal was dead, he said, Blessed be the Lord that hath pleaded the cause of my reproach from the hand of Nabal and hath kept his servant from evil. For the Lord hath returned the wickedness of Nabal upon his own head. And David sent and communed with Abigail to take her to him to be his wife. He got her. But you know what? God got him. Now here's my point. Any of y'all ever had any injustices done to you? Then don't you try to get them back. By the way, he's much better at it than we are. And when he does it, it will be right and it won't be on you. Now listen, you say, Pastor Mark, I've not always lived that way, but I'm going to tell you right now, we're trying to live that way. There's a lot of things out there we could hurl and throw and all of that stuff. But you know what? You have to rest in the promises of God. And by the way, David was right. I think he had some unwise thinking, but he was right. But I thank God for Abigail stopped him. Amen. How many of y'all have ever getting ready and just about ready to let your anger overtake and getting ready to do something silly and about that time the Lord just let your child pop up and say, hey, daddy. 
What you doing? Hey, Mommy, what you doing? Just right before you getting ready to put that silly post up. Think about your church first. Here's what might else stop you to say. Before you do that, stop and think, man, I got my whole church's name on this post. Let the Lord have it. He'll do right. Amen? Ask David. Hey, ask, uh, I done forgot his name. Who built the gallows? Haman. Mordecai. Ask Mordecai. Ask Mordecai. He let the Lord take care of it. Guess what? It looked pretty grim because them, them things were built. It had Mordecai's name all over it. But see, right in the nick of time, by the way, that's just the way God works. Amen. Yes. You've ever had any injustice done to you? Leave it alone. Let the Lord take care of it. Amen. Perfect example. And ten days later, old Nabal died. And the Bible tells us why, and the Bible tells us who did it. The Lord struck him. So the Lord will do things much better than us. Amen? Let's stand our feet. A lot of practical stuff tonight. Not Just a lot of practical stuff. Man, I could have spent another hour. Think of this. What if David wouldn't have listened because he said she was a woman? That's foolish, isn't it? Some of the wisest counsel I've ever heard has been from a woman. God help us to be wise. Amen? With our head bowed and eyes closed tonight, I don't know where you are. I don't know what you're dealing with. I know what I'm dealing with. I know where I'm at. And we all have the tendency to be like David. It's in us. It's easy. But I'm asking us tonight to take these wise words. Because I'm going to tell you all right now, here within, between, before this year is out, I can promise you this, you will have great opportunity to get your feathers ruffled. Somebody is going to bother you. Somebody is going to do something. It might even be on purpose. might not be on purpose. But the way we respond to it is paramount. And if you have somebody in your life and they love you and you know they mean well towards you, you better listen to them. That's good counsel for all of us. With their head bowed and eyes closed tonight, how many of you know the Lord had something for you tonight? Then ask him to help you with it. That's all this is about. Get help. I'm thankful, man. Look, David was just a man. We learn so much here. We can apply so much truth, so much principles to our own lives. So I pray God will help us. They're going to play something on the piano. Maybe you'd like to come. Maybe you want to make your pew. But whatever it is, let's let the Lord have his way in our heart. By the way, David wasn't weak. I mean, we know what David could do and was going to do. So it was nothing about that. But it was the consequences that he was going to have to deal with later. The macho stuff would have ran out in a very short time. (laughs) 
then he'd realize all that innocent blood that he shed. Can I ask you this too? Just how many of y'all know you got wise people in your life? There's somebody that you know that can give you some wisdom. Would you just raise your hand? You know somebody like that? Then thank God for them. Thank God for them. I know there's many in this building that are wise. Heavenly Father, we come to you. We want to thank you, Lord. This is just a practical thought. Lord, but what a what a testimony of this woman, Abigail. How wise she was. What her counsel. It's sad that her husband wouldn't listen to her. Let her let her help him. But I pray there'll be none like that in here tonight. I pray you'll help us to have the right motives. I pray you'll help us to seek the right counsel. But Lord, more than more than that, I pray you'll help us to seek you. Let you guide us. Lord, we all have feelings. We all get hurt. We all get mad. We all get angry. Lord, I pray you'll help us in those moments not to do things rash. And Lord, I pray you'll help all of us to serve for the right reasons. The right reasons. And that's for you. And Lord, we know one day you will pay us accordingly. Lord, just getting to go to heaven is paying us. So I pray you'll help us now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. Amen.